Hi, everybody. Welcome to Mormonish. I'm Rebecca. And I'm Landon. And we have a very special guest on today. We have the wonderful Michelle Stone. Good morning, Michelle. How are you? Good morning. I'm great. Thank you. Yeah, we were just looking at your beautiful background. You have your wonderful paintings and you have your Christmas poinsettia. You, it's it's very festive, don't you think, Landon? Yeah, I, I bought a couple poinsettias and uh, the, all, all the leaves are falling off. I'm clearly doing something wrong. <laughs> I keep picking up dead dead pieces of poinsettias off the floor. <laughs> I'm thinking over watering. What do you think, Michelle? Maybe we'll turn this into a gardening episode, uh, right? We'll just water, go. <laughs> you have to water poinsettias? I thought they were like uh, Christmas. Christmas. Uh, uh oh, I think we just solved it. <laughs> that might be a the little problem. Bit. They're literally screaming out to you right now. They're dying, Landon. As soon as we get off this podcast, uh, you need to put water, some them. water on them. See if that solves it. I was just hoping they'd make it to Christmas. <laughs> well, see, this is fake foliage. That's the way you do it. They don't need water. It doesn't need care, and it looks gorgeous. So, all right, let's read Michelle's bio. I think Landon has that, and then we'll just dive right in and talk about poinsettias and anything else we can think of. Okay, I'll jump in here. Michelle Brady Stone was raised in a happy Mormon family in Salt Lake. Her father was the bishop and her mother wrote children's music like I, I lived in heaven. When I grow up, I want to be a mother and I'm a Mormon. She attended BYU on full scholarship where she had to make the painful choice between the basketball court and the stage. She majored in music, dance, theater, but always hated that she couldn't also major in English, physics, and psychology. I think we're all there. It's like, oh, there's so many things. I want <laughs> How do to I learn. pick? <laughs> she and her husband, Shane, are the parents of 13 children. Uh, 11 living. Yes, all ours. No, not a blended family. Yes, one set of twins. And they're many years into raising their own happy Mormonish family. In addition to their family, her YouTube channel, 132 Problems Revisiting Mormon Polygamy, takes most of her time. She spends any leftover time in her garden and on occasion sleeping. I think we've, I think all of us who do this podcasting realize that, yeah, once in a while I get to actually sleep. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, Michelle, you are very prolific in your content that you put out. So you get it. A lot of people don't. It's just it's a you know, it's a 24 hour a day kind of a thing. You're either thinking of content or working on content or connecting with people or finding guests or going on other podcasts. So you know how it is. And and I will say to our viewers that I was really surprised to learn that Michelle and I are practically next door neighbors, which is really funny, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so fun. It is. We yes. live just down the street. And so we connected, Landon and I went out with Michelle to lunch. I think it was two weeks ago. It wasn't last weekend, was it? My weekends run together, I swear. But no, we had when just was two? I think it was two weeks mm, ago. I think so. Yeah. But we, you know, we had just, we had just wanted to get to know Michelle a little bit better. And we had just a lovely lunch. It was like three and a half hours long where we just talked. I know. I'm sorry. I kept talking. <laughs> no, no, it was so interesting. And we all kind of thought, you know, most, most people know Michelle, you know, from her podcast, but I, you know, I think a lot of people just don't really know Michelle, if that makes sense. And so Landon and I kind of talked about that afterwards, didn't we, Landon? We're like, let's, you know, let's just have kind of a get to know you episode because your story is really fascinating, you know, and our viewers are, you know, post-Mormons, nuanced Mormons, you know, some faithful Mormons, I think, you know, across the landscape, but primarily probably skews maybe post and nuanced. And, you know, your, your story has just so many elements that I think will resonate across the board with a lot of people. So um, I think we just, let's just dive right in and let's just, first of all, let's ask you, um, so you went to BYU, what years were you there at BYU? 
Well, um, I so I graduated high school in '94, went okay. straight to BYU. Okay. So I was there, and I have to first say thank you so much for being willing to connect. I think, I think maybe I reached out to you guys, and you were like, "Yes," and I, I really appreciate it because I love. I think that people only know me from the most. Do you know what I mean? Just a yes. few little. Yep. A few little things I talk about on my podcast. And yep. so anyway, so I really have appreciated being able to connect and make like you guys are awesome. This has been really fun so far. So thank you for having me on and for meeting yep. up. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. No, like I said, our conversation was so great at lunch. I thought, let's just take this to the screen, right? We're going to do it. So, right. okay. And so yep, you sorry, was at BYU 94 was my first year. Okay. And then I think um, I actually have one more semester of full scholarship, but I had a baby. My, I was pregnant my last semester there and then yeah. had a baby and, and I just never could like, I think I had nine, nine hours of dance a day that last semester. And I had just had a baby and I was like, I can't put him in daycare yeah. to go dance. So I yeah. still have a semester of scholarship at BYU. That, and that is such a difficult story, especially for women, right? Yeah. You're like missed it by that much oh, because yeah. then you kind of move to the next, the next phase. So I have a lot of friends that have done the pathway program where they kind of let you go back and just quickly finish and get kind of a general, you know, which I think there's a need for that because exactly a lot of people, you know, I didn't get married till after I finished my bachelor's degree and was into my master's degree and didn't that have was my plan. That after, was, I'm, so. I'm the, I'm like the, the stereotypical BYU story, like yeah. intended, get my degree, go on a mission, be working on a master's, then get married yeah. and didn't achieve any of those, but then I ended up with four babies in diapers in two and a half years. So that's how, that was my, my path. So Michelle, you, you majored in theater, but you said, uh, and we didn't talk about this, the, it was a choice between the basketball court <laughs> and, and theater. Were, were you a basketball player then? Did I was, I love sports. For BYU, yeah. or how did that? No, I wanted to, I wanted to play basketball at BYU, but I ended up, um, bit of a story, but I got scholarships almost everywhere except BYU, but I still could have played basketball at BYU, but then I couldn't have majored in, in, you know, it, it's always choices, right. choices. Yeah, you, so you yeah, my yeah. whole For two masters. Yeah. Right. I wanted to go to BYU instead of taking one of the basketball scholarships. And then at BYU, I, you know, if I had done one, I couldn't have done the other. So my whole, my whole time at BYU, I couldn't go to a women's basketball or a women's soccer game because I would just cry. Oh, that is giving up a passion. Oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah. I can understand so that. So were you in but... musical theater? Are, are you a singer? Yeah, music dance theater. Or... Okay. And the triple mm -hmm. threat landed. Well, yes, with your mother being a composer threat. and stuff, that makes sense <laughs> that you would be very musical and into that. So yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. that's amazing. We've I, had I love... a lot of people from BYU theater on our pod, on our podcast as yeah. I think about it. I'm, really? I, I'm, I could probably count what? seven to 10 probably. Yeah, I think it's because when you have that theatrical background, you're very comfortable or more comfortable perhaps getting in front of a microphone, turning on a camera and just having some confidence that you might be able to, you know, say something yeah. so, <laughs> that might be meaningful. So I think it might be important to talk about um, just your background growing up with your mom. I don't think a lot of people know, you know, the powerhouse that you and your mom, I mean, especially here in this area, you know, when it comes to homeschool and curriculum and learning and education, I mean, I think this is a really important part of your background. So if you want to talk a little bit about that, I think we'd love to hear more. 
I'm, I'm, I'll start talking what I think you're asking and then you shape it if I'm going the wrong Absolutely. direction. That's okay. Can do no but wrong. So I'm okay, good. So I'm the youngest of nine and for people. So Janine Brady is a name that people either yes. absolutely know because they grew up on it and we could start singing all the songs right now, or they just never were familiar with it. So one way or the other, but, um, but so, so I grew up with, so my mom was 41 when she had me and she and my dad were starting their business while they were pregnant with me. They're, they're, it's called Bright Music. So my every morning I woke up, my bedroom was below my mom's and I heard her composing on the piano. She is a brilliant, brilliant musician. I always laugh that by the time they got to me, they were out of curl and they were out of piano talent. Cause I'm like <laughs> the only one in my family that can't play the piano and that has straight hair. So I got leftovers. So, but anyway, so they I said watched you have to my play mom. basketball instead. Go shoot. That's right. right. You got the athletic <laughs> yeah. ability. There you go. Yep. So um, I I watched my mom, I sort of grew up knowing my mom had raised this family and then had this amazing career. So I really did grow up with just a love of children and a love of motherhood and a feeling of no limits, you know, so I didn't feel like there were um, like, like my mom was an amazing example to me, an amazing role model. And she just did it by following her talents and following her passion. And so yeah, so I don't know if that's exactly what you're asking. Yeah, no, but... that's what I was talking about. And then you yourself, um, you're a champion of, of home education and learning, and you've homeschooled your kids, which is amazing. That's yep. incredible. Yep. I wasn't homeschooled. My mom, um, you know, was that, that was not something she that was in her her paradigm at all. But I really felt strongly that's what I was supposed to do. And so, yeah, so we had, like I said, I had, um, maybe I said it before the recording, but I had my first baby, my um, senior year of college. And then we had another little boy 18 months later. And then we had surprise birth control twins 18 months later. Oh. We had these four babies <laughs> together. And, um, and anyway, and I just felt led toward homeschooling and then just kept feeling like there's another baby we're supposed to have. And and I guess I have a little different story because I know that a lot of people in the Mormon community felt like they were kind of forced into motherhood or didn't, mm -hmm. you know, and for mm -hmm. me, I chose in wholeheartedly. I do feel like, um, I do wish I had gotten more encouragement growing up to like, like that, that, um, people had seen the talents I had for academics or scholars, you know, and, and had been mm -hmm. led a little bit more and knew that there were more options, mm -hmm. but, um, but I still am. So I would never have wanted to give up my motherhood and my children. So I'm always like my advice to people for anyone that cares to have my advice, you know, but I always want to encourage women, like have your family and then build your career. You know, like, right. like it's for me, it's a smooth transition to go that way. Cause I feel like now, as I have my career, I have a lot of wisdom and a lot of experience and I have my family. So it's been a really fun path for me. Well, yeah, with 13 kids, you were never as and homeschooling, you you were never a stay-at-home mom. You were a live-at-home no. teacher. Yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. that is the way to I say it. I love it. I, I use the term full-time mom. And I know any term you use is going to offend somebody. But yes. for me, it was. It was like like full-time with a lot of overtime hours, you know, like, you're like it, it, it's been, it's been a lot. Like I'm, I'm kind of serious when I occasionally sleep, that's kind of been my whole adult life. <laughs> Yeah, no, I get that. My sister homeschooled her kids and, and it was interesting um, to see, you know, we have kids about the same age, just going, you know, along through the different milestones. And, you know, my kids were not homeschooled. They were in public school here in Utah and then her kids. And yeah, it was definitely very interesting to look at that. And she, it seemed like there were quite a few opportunities of things, especially tailored more to the different personalities of the children. I think that's what I appreciated about it. Cause you know, when you put your kids in public school, it's like, it's, it's kind of one way, you know, and it might work for one of your children better 
and then it might not work for your other child in the same way, you know, and then you're kind of there trying to scramble around and figure out what to do. And sometimes you also end up doing a lot of homeschooling in addition to public school, just to help a child right. that might need something along the way. So yeah, it's a very personal choice, Absolutely. you know. Absolutely. And we're, this is, I, I told you before, this is really my first year, kind of my second year with my kid, not homeschooling. So that was a huge transition for me. And yeah. I had to like re like, you know, it's like, who am I? I'm a homeschooling mom. So now yeah. who am I? And, and putting, and, and dealing with those issues instead of the homeschool, you know, it's been a really right. good, it's been good for me to see it from both sides, yep. you know, and have both experiences. But I did love, well, homeschooling is always really hard and you're always afraid you're completely messing up your kids. Mm -hmm. And you're always like, please God, help me to know what they each need. But you are enabled to set up each child's unique path, their yes. own, you know, follow their own passions, their own mission in life yep. and work for each. Like you can make the environment fit the child instead of just saying, sorry, child, you have to fit the environment, whether yep. you fit or not. So I've really loved that part of it. And now I'm like, okay, we're doing the public school thing. So let's do that now. So it's been, it's been interesting, an interesting transition for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Let's dive but in. I couldn't it. be doing my podcast if I were still homeschooling it. So I, I feel like I'm supposed to do so. I was going to say, coincidentally, did your podcast start when your children went back to school? I mean, yeah. <laughs> is there yeah, a little I just, bit of an overlap there? Yeah. Yeah. There's I really do. I'm, I'm, I'm a very, um, careful person. So definitely it's always like, Lord, what should we do this year? And mm -hmm. and when I felt like led to these schools that, mm -hmm. you know, the signs line up, they magically had an opening come up the day mm -hmm. that I called and that, you know, all of those things. And, yeah. but when, when, especially with my kids going to the junior high, because for me as a homeschooler, it's like junior high is the armpit of everything. You know, it I'm is. like, I'm not sending my kids to junior high, but and so I had to like pray, are you sure? Can really is that what we're doing? Yeah. But yeah, it's been, it's actually been great. So They've wow, done really that's well. Nice. That's really good. What were you going to say, Landon? Sorry, I, I was just going to say there's a reason that you and I are podcasting now because we have no kids left in the house. <laughs> and I don't know how you would do it with kids and sports and yeah. all the activities yeah. you have. Uh, I, I don't know how you do it now with 13 kids, even though they're in school, the, all the <laughs> activities and the different things. Uh, yeah, that, that that that's a big, big bite you're, you've taken. So Yeah, yeah exactly. people... People laugh when I say we only have six at home now, which for me is a very sincere sentiment <laughs> of like, it's it's only six, <laughs> you know, but it is, I definitely record during school hours as much as possible. And then research, my, my podcast is very research heavy. So that's, right. so I spend a lot of hours researching, but right. when I'm not driving kids or making meals or doing dishes, I'm pretty much doing research. <laughs> Yeah, I'm getting tired just talking about this, but you're right. It's life and that's what you do. And then you kind of wake up on the other side of it and go, okay, now I'm going to do this. Do you have like a home office where you put everything together and prepare everything? Or are you a kitchen table type or? <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely aware. My laptop follows me around everywhere. I do way better listening than like, like whenever I have a book, I want it on audio so I can uh, be doing dishes or, or out running or, you know, yeah. but I did set up. I, we have this one really small little upstairs bedroom where we have had kids in the past, but now that we only have six, I was able to readjust bedrooms so that I could kind of turn this into my recording studio. So it's a recording studio slash guest room when we have older kids at home. And 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 that's that's where the magic happens, right? <laughs> that's where the magic happens. That's right. And I guess maybe, Landon, we should kind of describe the first time we ever even 
we didn't meet Michelle, but we saw Michelle. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about where that was and when that was? Because that kind of we'd gotten invited explains. to uh, go to the movie uh, Who Killed uh, mm -hmm. Justin Griffin? Yeah, the, the yeah the Prophet Joseph Smith mm -hmm. Part Two, I think it was, mm -hmm. uh, and. And so, yeah, we got some tickets to that and we went and uh, they had a bunch of people. Uh, first, we watched the movie and then they mm -hmm. had uh, different people speak. And you were, I think, the first or second speaker. Mm -hmm. uh, so we got to to listen to you after watching that and and uh, got to know a little bit about you. And so I, I thought uh, and honestly, you're, you're, you're clearly a person of of deep faith and conviction and and. Uh, and so I, I kind of thought, hmm, I, I probably won't have that much in common with her. But once we got meeting and talking, I was surprised how, how much we had in common. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you've got quite a story that's different than what probably most people, and it was definitely different than the perception that I had of you, um, because you know I, I know there's definitely things we would disagree with as we talked, and it, it was fun to talk and explore those differences. But it was also fun to see. I'm like, oh my gosh, we're probably more alike than we are different mm -hmm. as we as we started having the discussion. So I really enjoyed some of the stories you told, and 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 I'm hoping we can explore some of that uh, on the podcast because I I don't think most people would know that about you. Mm -mm. Exactly, especially when it comes to your faith journey, that was so interesting just to kind of hear, you know, from sort of the things that you shared um, when we were talking. So especially about um, some of the times where. I don't know. You talked about the one talk that you gave the one time. Do you remember that situation where, yeah, I mean, that was really interesting. Yeah. I thought when we discussed that. That was, and probably maybe that's something that you might want to backtrack a little bit to talk maybe just a little bit about your faith journey or, or just some things. Cause I think that informs of course your podcast. I mean, that's why you arrived where you sure. arrived, right? We can all have that question. Mm -hmm. So. Right. And I'm sure a lot of people like, like, let me back up 20 years and yeah, exactly. like this whole, you know, journey really quickly, but I'll do my best to just give some really short cliff notes. Yeah. So we did live um, in Draper I, when I had my six, we were living there and it was a ward. Anyway, I ended up having four big callings, like not little callings, big callings while we lived there, while I had these pregnancies, and these babies. And some people, I, I have very difficult pregnancies. I will say like, I have earned my motherhood the hardest way. <laughs> you know, I do not have easy pregnancies. So they broke me. Like I really just broke, you, you know, it was too hard. And I also really struggled because so I, I came to my faith crisis in sort of the opposite way that a lot of people do. Cause I felt like I was really converted and really committed and felt like if we are the one true church and we're God's, like the, the people with the priesthood, the one and only, right? Then why are we not taking this so much more seriously? Like if you have God's A team coming together for one hour a week to study the scriptures, that should be incredible. And instead it's like, painfully boring yeah. <laughs> and nobody like I would read the scriptures in advance and have because I do feel like I've always just had a connection to the divine however people want to define that that's how um, I have lived my life definitely by inspiration and revelation and connection to God and so so I would have these beautiful insights in the scriptures and I'd be so excited to share and I'd want to hear other people's and it was like this is what we're doing with it. What, you know, so that was yeah. painful for me. I would come home from church crying again and again, like my poor husband, because it was so like I needed to be fed. I was, I was giving so much to the church and giving so much to my family and there was nothing coming in right from the church that was supposed to be the vehicle. So anyway, that's where we were. And then 
And I, I think it was at about that point that we moved here to where we live next to Rebecca. And um, and I was introduced to John DeLynn's podcast. So that's probably been 17 years ago. Wow. And um, yeah, yeah, my daughter just turned 17. That was that was here when we had her. And so anyway, it's been um, a real, so I really resonated, especially when he was in his early years of um, trying to figure things out, right? Because I was really in that same space. And so it was actually, and then anyway, it's been a bunch of different inputs, right? But when I finally realized, oh, the church isn't what we claim it is, it was actually really healing to me because it was, it let me let go of expectations. I was like, Oh, it's always been big mess. Okay, well, then I, it, I was expecting too much. So, you, you know, and so since then, it's been an interesting journey. I've definitely had experiences with leadership that have been extremely painful. I've I've considered myself a nuanced member that entire time, but maybe like everyone has to walk this journey on their own and figure out what is true, what's not true, what do I need to investigate, right? I like... I, I I am very much a proponent of critical thinking. That was how I homeschooled my children was, I think I told, like we would watch all of the atheist debates and all, and the atheist and God, and, and like, that was a really good point. Oh, do you, you know, like I, it would drive mm -hmm. me crazy when people say, well, because I'm a Christian or as I'm like, that's not an argument, yeah. prove your point, don't, you know? And so I very much like um, getting to the bottom of things, finding truth to the best of my ability. Like, I think my talk that you heard is called I'm anti why I'm anti shelf. You know, I hate the yeah. idea of like that. To me, that means don't think about things. Don't try to get to the bottom of them. So anyway, so yeah, I, I it, it's been interesting navigating the church with a nuanced perspective all of these years and as a critical thinker. Your it children can be really challenging. Your what? children are going to church, attending church, and at this time, and you're homeschooling them, and you're listening to atheist debates uh, at that same time. That's it, that that's that says a lot to to, yeah. to be able to teach your kids and say you know here kids you make a choice that's that's right. a, that's impressive as a parent mm -hmm. that you could do that yeah and it, it, it was it was challenging because again like when there are things that you don't agree with with the church like like for me and um for me there are two central doctrines that i just object to and one is like prophetic infallibility the prophet can never mm -hmm. lead us astray that just is not true it just is not true. And so it was hard because I would be take again, sometimes the church at church is working against you. You're take you're going to it's can I just tell you how hard it is to get eleven children to nine o'clock church every week? Like <laughs> I can't I couldn't do three. I only have three children. Right. I couldn't even do that. So yeah. Right. And so <laughs> I felt like the, the the effort I was putting forth to like make sure everyone had their talk and was ready for girls camp and was like, like, it still was just killing me all the time. And then that I had my lesson ready and, you know, and so and then we would go and then I felt like I had to um, sort of like like post game after church mm -hmm. and be like hey mm -hmm. what what did you learn what did you learn okay let's fix that do, do you know what I mean like it, <laughs> let's debunk it. it was, yeah like it was kind of like okay so so this is how I look at that you know and um and it was always challenging and sometimes felt like why am I doing this like I'm I'm undermining everything they're learning I'm you know but I just and then, and then when I experienced um, what I would consider ecclesiastical abuse, I know mm -hmm. the bishops are trying. I know that they're generally good guys, but um, but just power is not necessarily always good. I would say, in generally, is general is not good, right? And so, yeah. So I, I would I'll go into that story more if you want, but just yeah. in short, I I felt like 
I can't like I have I have it two separate very distinct points been like we're leaving I can't do this and that mm -hmm. you know those are not decisions anyone takes lightly right I think um I think where I already homeschooled I felt like can I also home church like like you know I like <laughs> am I gonna just take my children out of everything that really concerned me and I also felt well, it was interesting. So when when we first reached that point and I was like, okay, my 14-year-old was my oldest. Is he not going on a mission? Is my little seven-year-old not being baptized? Is my like the repercussions and ramifications yep. are huge for every single child, right? And and I knew that whatever I did, they would do. Not that it, you know, I just knew that um you have a lot of influence over your children, especially when you're critical thinking and can make your point, you know. And so um I was talking to each child individually, just saying, What do you think? You know, like and my second, he he is just this awesome kid. And he is, anyway, I, I rarely had seen him cry. And he kind of just started getting teary. And he said, Mom, I know you know God. And I know that you will be fine. But I don't know God. I And I if I don't go to church, I don't have anything. And that was so, that was so good for me as a mom to hear that. Sorry, like, Paul didn't expect that to, yeah, to no, know that it's... like, oh, the church serves different pur purposes for different people. Mm -hmm. I need mm -hmm. to be more patient, less judgmental. Everyone's in different spaces. And, um, and if this is important for my child, I don't get to throw it out. That, yeah. do you know what I mean? And so anyway, yeah. so my son was um, part of keeping us in the first time. And I, it took me months and months and months till I could go back to church because, um, you can't be around the person that caused you so much right. that exerted power over you in such a, like here I am this Mormon homeschooling mom being told that I, that they might need to take my temple recommend because of a talk I gave in sacrament meeting. I was like, ah. yeah, that, that was a, that was no? a fascinating yeah. story. Uh, I know. Do, do you mind going? If you're and, comfortable, you know, share what you're comfortable with, but sure. uh, that that was really quite a fascinating yeah. story of how how that all happened. Do you mind sharing that? Yeah. Again, I told you I'd give cliff notes. I don't know if I'm doing a good job, but here I'll try and give cliff notes. You of this don't even story need well. cliff notes. We we're not John the Lynn length podcast, but we certainly have time for everybody to talk. And I just love how you're talking about your children and how you know you're working with all of them on their faith journeys while at the same time going through your faith journey and it's just a wonderful way to parent i just i really commend you on that so but yes we'd love oh. we'd love to hear this story now that you've kind of teased it our viewers are probably going what happened so. <laughs> okay well oh gosh it, whatever you're comfortable with sure well i'll dive into it so i so i should say Temple recommends when you're nuanced, right? That's always fun. So it would always be this, like, how do I approach it this time? And what do I, so I often at that point would have conversations and be like, this is how I view this. I sustain. And to me, that's what that means. You, you, do you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. I was like, I recognize these are the people God is leaving them in their place, you, you know, but I just didn't, for me, the questions that I struggled with were the ones that seemed to put people on pedestals. I'm just like anti-pedestal, right? Yeah. Like we all have the same connection to God period. These are the people like when I'm the primary president, I have the closet to the primary, to the key to the primary closet. Those guys have the key to the church. Okay. Different stewardship. That's fine. Anyway. So I, so, so I should set that up, but I had had my temple recommend interview four months before this happened. And so it was, I I'll, really quickly, I just had this like, um, Oh, so, so the topic was Lot's wife that I, um, that I got in trouble for. And what had happened was I had been invited to speak to a group of parents of LGBT kids. Cause I was very much in this space. I didn't know yet that I had 
LGBT kids, you know, I, so, so, um, and I had spoken on these topics because of some answered answers I had received and some information I felt like was useful. And this was at the time when me saying it's about love and it's, it was pretty, um, like, like pretty explosive in the LDS community. Like right. that's when I, like I lost family relationships over teaching that at that time. Right. And so, um, it was really interesting. But anyway, I'd been invited to speak to this group of mothers and I felt very much like, how can I speak to mothers that are actually experiencing this? Because I don't have the experience. I felt completely out of my depth, you know? And so so anyway, it, 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 the meeting got canceled and it was really inconvenient. But at church that day, the um, or the next day, it was supposed to be on a Saturday, Sunday at church, the lesson was on Lot's wife. And I had this profound experience where the scriptures started, which which is kind of how I work, not making sense to me. I, and I started to go, oh my gosh, this is a different story than I experienced, than I expected. So I went home and really dug into that. And these answers came. The meeting was able to be scheduled again. And I was able to talk to these mothers about Lot's wife, which I think is a key crucial story. I won't, I ended up um, presenting on it at Sunstone a few years ago. We'll get to that part of it. But just to encapsulate it really quick, like, pillar of salt symbolically is profound uh, uh, you know it's power to save and a mother like lot's wife who who continues to reach out who doesn't give up who doesn't turn her back who doesn't right like that's the, what the message means to me there's a lot more to it than that but so to me lot's wife who was looked at in a negative light is actually mm -hmm. a type of christ and an, and is an example for mothers right like all of these heartbroken mothers need this message so that was kind of that's that part of the story so uh fast forward and i just started feeling like i need to write something it wasn't on lot's wife specifically but i didn't know what it was anyway my husband came home and said hey we're speaking in church on on sunday he, he told me this on a thursday night and i was like oh i guess that's what i'm writing this for you know it was <laughs> and then and then the topic came and it was exactly what i was talking about what i was what i was feeling like i needed to start writing was how we are actually active participants in the atonement. Like any pain that we alleviate is pain that isn't on the Savior's back. Any pain that we cause is pain that, you know, so like how we treat each other matters profoundly was kind of in cap cliff notes of the message. So that, and then we, we ended up being given the topic, the, the Savior has no hands but ours from President Uchtdorf, if you remember that one. Perfect, so it was like, yeah. okay. And I just had this strong impression you need to talk about Lot's wife. So I was like, oh, okay. And I included it a little tiny bit at the end of it. I said, I know this is an unconventional interpretation, but I wanted to share because it it's been so meaningful to me. And I just spent maybe three minutes on it. Anyway, it was crazy. The state president's wife had come that day. And I guess she was just furious that the bishop hadn't told me to sit down. And because I guess a little while before this, I didn't know it, but Elder Holland had given a talk at BYU called Remember Lot's Wife, which was the standard interpretation with her as the bad right. version. The negative right? interpretation and, of Lot's Wife. Yeah, and, and negative, your, interpretation, and, and me, your interpretation, Michelle, was basically that she turned back and looked back because she she had compassion for all yeah. the people and the the people that she was leaving behind and that she couldn't turn her back on those people uh and, and yeah. that's what she turned for and then she was turned into a pillar of salt and obviously salt is something that preserves is a and and that's kind of the interpretation that you went with and and that just uh completely uh infuriated i guess the <laughs> The wife of the yeah. stake president, who we all know is more powerful than the stake president himself, uh, <laughs> because uh, uh, he listens to her. So, yeah.
Yeah, it was interesting. I like how you encapsulated that. Yes, and like really quickly, the only reason we even know about Lot's wife is because the Savior mentions her, right? And I and I'm a big believer in the lesser and greater portion of the scriptures. I, I really do like the scriptures, and and so it's all there's often like a deeper portion that opens up when you really get it and study. So really quickly, when the Savior mentions Lot's wife, um, he says. In that day, let whoso is on the rooftop not go back in his house for his stuff. Him in the field, let the, you know, remember Lot's wife. So it sounds like, oh, she went back for her crystal vase and her mm -hmm, social club. Mm -hmm. And she could, right. So that interpretation. But if you read it instead and read, remember Lot's wife, whosoever shall shall um, seek to save his life shall lose it. And whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it, preserve mm -hmm. like salt. And that's I think so. that's a, a beautiful, profound interpretation. And when you recognize in the story this woman had children and grandchildren in the city. And what kind of a God would tell, uh, like, you're only righteous if you turn your back on your children as a mother, that, right? And so so to me, and it's it says, like, it's like, to me, I'm not one that believes that God goes, you disobeyed, curse, I'm going yeah. to turn, I'm going to, right? It says she became a pillar of salt. So it sounds like an evolution to me. And that is a symbol of Christ in the most profound terms. It's one of the most profound scriptural um, symbols, I guess, of if you look at what pillars are, the Savior was a pillar. I mean, with Moses, they were led by a pillar of fire or right. a pillar of a cloud, the pillars of the temple. Jacob built a pillar where he wrestled. And like pillar is a profound symbol that that talks about like power to lift, power to hold, Right. And so, so not only salt, you're, and, you're, and then the Savior says, if you're the salt of the earth, if the salt has lost its savor, it is therefore good for nothing. And also, like, in the old world, salt was as precious as gold, ounce right. for ounce, because it was the one means of preservation. So when you have a mother who doesn't turn her back on her children in Sodom and Gomorrah, she becomes a pillar of salt. I think that's good for yeah. mourning mother, a good interpretation for all of these mourning Mormon mothers who are desperately sad that there are going to be empty chairs in heaven, right? Like, like mm. we got to get over that. that so anyway, how I, was I your talk? Oh, go I ahead, Landon. I, I can see how that would, would be very important to uh, in the talk that you gave for the L yeah. uh, LGBTQ because of that, that you don't turn your back on your uh, on your kids no matter what. And Sodom Gomorrah, you know, is a, you know, we right, exactly that represents the metaphor. Yeah. And so that that's a that's a profound interpretation uh, and a beautiful interpretation. Uh, and so I don't think the problem was the interpretation. The problem is, is that it, your interpretation was different, different. from their interpretation. Yep. And that's where you, where it couldn't stand. And that's it. And that was exactly. It was How was so it received by other people like who heard it? it I can was, imagine that they would have said, this is beautiful. I mean, that's probably the feedback yeah. that you got, I would imagine. It was. And, and like I said, it was just it was just encapsulating the talk I had given. Like it really was because, like I said, the talk I felt had been given to me before I even knew I needed it. Like I was mm -hmm. writing this out. and I didn't know why, you know. So I will say that, like. People still talk to me about that talk because we had several stake visitors that day. So they were like, oh, you gave that talk. Like it was like lots of tearful hugs afterward. And even my bishop was in tears and hugged me after the talk. So it was like, it, you know, and, and my husband also spoke. I shouldn't like, I shouldn't ignore him. Yeah, like it was, it was really a beautiful meeting, you, you know, and, and, and it is nice to go to church and hear something really meaningful that resonates right. as true that you haven't heard a billion times. Right. Yeah. So yes, a new, so, a new idea, a new something way. Something fresh. Yeah. So you walked away 
thinking. Yeah. So, so in the job. moment, it was wonderful. It's wonderful. <laughs> yeah. And then I was called into, and this was, this was years ago. I, I, I measured time by my, um, which baby. So I think that my 10 year old was the baby. <laughs> so I wasn't yet pregnant with my, um, with my eight year old. So that's the time frame. And so I, um, anyway, so when I was called into the bishop's office, I was like, what is going on? You know, and he just called me in. And the first meeting was kind of, he was really kind of like deer in the headlights. He'd just been reprimanded. And so was like, what? And I guess, so we had a teenage um, organist that they had called to try to keep him coming to church, which I thought was awesome, you know, and he, I guess, had been in the bathroom when the meeting started. So we didn't have prelude music. And then I had given my talk and, and the state president's wife was livid that we didn't have prelude music. And then that the bishop hadn't stood up and told me to sit down. So the state president, a member of the state presidency had talked to my bishop and told him, that he needed to consider taking my temple recommend. Like read to him the scripture about you're the judge in Israel and you need to take a temple recommend. <laughs> and so, so that first meeting, he was really humble and really um, like, like, I mean, of course I was like, what? You, and and you know? he loved your and talk. He'd, he'd been crying. He and, in tears. And now all of a sudden the stake president comes and says, take care of this. And all of a sudden his entire tune changes, uh, even though he was there and witnessed it and participated in right. it. He's the judge that, he's being told how to judge. Basically, yep. There you go. Yeah. In that first meeting, he was very humble and he was very like, maybe not, maybe apologetic isn't the right word, but we both were kind of like, what? Cause he said, mm -hmm. I talked to all of my counselors. I talked to my fourth counselor, his wife, he, you know, is that what he called her? And he was like, I know it's not funny. And he was like, all of them loved it. Like, like, you know, but then, but so, so he just let me know what was happening. And then, um, and, and, you know, it's so weird to be this, like, holy, like, I'm still serving in at least two callings. I'm like, I'm giving my whole life to the church and I'm told, that they need to take my temple recommend like like I, 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 no words literally no words right so so anyway the only thing i could figure was that it was based in the temple recommend interview that i had had like 4 months earlier right and so maybe um 4 months before that i had had that nuanced conversation about how mm -hmm. i view prophets seers and revelators and then i gave a talk in church that contradicted one of our Prophet okay. Susan Redwood. That's the most sense I can make of it. Okay. Because right? you thought it could not so, possibly just be your talk. It had to be perhaps they were already looking at you as somebody that might be questioning or something like that. I mean, that, what did your yeah, husband think? I mean, I mean, you must have told him. Was he just as. Yeah. Sort I of was confused? told it was the talk. I was told it was just the talk. So this is me trying to go. Right. How does that, but, but it is possible because this, um, this state president was rough for me. He, like it had been a rough go of it you know and so yeah i did so so i'll go forward a little bit so the the bishop set up another meeting and he had additional training in between and he <laughs> wanted both my husband and me to come to that second meeting and um it was it was one of the worst experiences it was awful i cannot even tell you how awful it was and he's a nice guy but it was power like I'm a stay-at-home mom, full-time homeschooling mom. Like I deal in relationships. And so of course I like fasted the entire week and was praying and, you know, and I, I felt like, okay, I, I made peace with, I'm just going to tell them exactly what I believe and they can decide whether or not I have a temple recommend. I'm at peace. Cause I, you know, and I just wanted to be honest and have a, and so for me, it was like a heart to heart. Let's understand each other. That's what I thought was going to happen. Oh, 
No. And so anyway, I, I'll spare you the details, but it was very much the, like me there in this, oh. like as small as possible, oh, him so there, with, you know what I mean? A foot yeah. up on the table and like yeah. regaling me with stories of his high school and his college. And I'm like, we're here talking about my temple recommend, you know, to me, yeah. it felt so anyway. And so, and he wanted my husband there. And so it was, it was, it was insane. It was insane to me. And, and so like, I would, um, he, he would just regale me with story after story. And he would talk, talk at me by talking to my husband, you know, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. it was so unbelievably condescending and power. And, and I didn't understand what was happening at the time. When I look back at it now and I was like, Oh, okay. Got it. That's what it was. It was power tactics, but I yeah. didn't know that, you know? And so, um, anyway, so at one point I just tried to share a scripture with him and he, it, it was his scripture on the desk. I was like, can I just, and he slammed the scriptures closed said, we are not doing this. And but the meeting ended up being, I think over three hours. And it was actually, I told you my, my son, that little son that wanted to stay in the church, he was the lead in, um, he was Frederick and Pirates of Penzance. Oh. It was their opening night that I had planned to go to the meeting, then go see my son's show. And by the time my son, it was winter and my son was texting me and he was having to walk home, ah, walk home in the snow from his opening night, in the dark, in the snow from his opening night of his show that I missed because I was being abused by the bishop for three, over three hours. You know, it just was one of those, yeah. like, this is not okay. And no. so, and so um, a couple of, like, like, here's just one example. Um, at one point, the bishop, and this it had been going on for hours. What I was required to say was that I was wrong about Lot's wife. <laughs> and that um, that I um, apparently complaints had been coming into the bishop's office about comments I made. I was told I would never speak in church. I would never teach in the church. And I was only allowed to if I, if I made comments in any class, they had to be just reading right out of the manual. So it was a complete gag order. I had to say I was wrong about Lot's wife and I had to acknowledge that I couldn't say I couldn't know something that the leaders didn't say. So that it really was about Elder Holland said this, you said this, you have to say that you're wrong because and Elder Holland, if you read his talk, he even said, like, like, suppose we look at it this way, or perhaps this could be, he says mm -hmm. perhaps mm -hmm. several times. He's not yeah. saying, you know what I mean? We are the ones doing that. So it was, and I couldn't do any of those things. And I didn't, I mean, it was so awful. And so, yeah. And, and so he'd like, he'd kind of be putting the pins in me and then he'd say, Michelle, do you know anything about golf? Shane, you're a golfer. Shane, oh. like. Okay, so Michelle, let, let me explain. It, in golf, we have the fairway, and then we have the rough. And right, Shane, don't you want to keep it in the fairway? And and Michelle, you're just getting out here in the rough. You know, I, I mean, like this was how the meeting uh, went the yeah. whole time. And so, so finally, because he anyway, so finally, when my son texted me, I couldn't hold the tears back anymore. So I stood up and I was like, "You got," because he was just talking to Shane, you know. So I was like, you guys finish. I've, I've got to go, you know? And at that point he stood up, he's a lot bigger than I am, you know, stood up and again, asked me those questions, Michelle, do you blah, you know? And so, so at that point I just completely lost it, started sobbing. And I was like, Bishop, I, um, you know, I serve in my calling. I am raising my children. I'm, I pray with my children. Like, like, I can't remember what I said, but just basically like I'm doing all of this stuff. I don't understand why it's harmful if I'm in the temple. You know, yeah. that was the only thing yeah. I could say is like, yeah. and, and he, and he said, neither do I. And he handed me my temple recommend and said, go thy way rejoicing. 
go thy way rejoicing. Go thy way rejoicing. I think he thought that I, it was like, like a repentant sinner being given absolution, you know? Anyway, and I hate going into the story because I know these are good guys and I would hate to, I know. you know, like, like no, they're serving this. Yep. And so, so, you know, but it, it was like at that point I wanted to, I'm sorry, can I swear on your podcast? Yes, you can. I really did Go just ahead. want to like, do it. Like shove it up your ass, Bishop. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, like I don't want it. Ah, you tell him, you Michelle. Know, I, like something broke. You know, I was so oh. upset. I'm sorry. I can't believe I just said that. No, Why? it's okay. No, do we you know what? Do you right know what? Here on Mormonish, folks. That's right. It happened. No, this is what's very telling, and also you're absolutely right. In my head. No, it's true. And these are they. They are good guys. You know, they're your neighbor, whatever. And it's so telling that he loved your talk. And he even loved it after they said there might be something wrong with it. He's still trying to work with you and others to figure out what's wrong. I don't know. But then finally, a church broke person will have to do what they tell him, even though, you know, override his initial reaction, override his intuition, override the fact that he knows you and cares about you and you're an important part of the ward. And he's going to have to do his duty, whatever they they want you know to be done to you so that's the thing they are good people but when your church broke that's what you do so i'm so sorry that happened to you and and i'm guessing that a lot of our viewers and listeners can relate to things like that you know that's yeah, why you find yourself in a different place whether out whether nuanced whether on a different path you just eventually ask yourself you know i've had that experience where you're like i'm a I'll say ass again, a grown ass woman. Why am I putting myself in this position where these people can talk to me like this or say these things? And yeah, and, and we're, seeing this, we're seeing this so many places where leaders aren't being leaders. We, we, we just saw where the, you know, they asked the women to step down from the state oh, and stand, even though yeah. the leadership in, in the stake or in the ward is all going, we don't agree with that. We want them here. They've been told to do it, and by God, they're going to do it. And they're not taking their conscience and saying, "You know what? I don't, I don't agree with that. I don't see that. You, if you want that done, you need to do that yourself because mm -hmm. I, I don't agree with that. You know, uh, I've, I've got to keep up with the girls here. Where are the balls of these guys <laughs> to stand up and say this isn't right, President? You, you've got it wrong." Yeah. And, and I'm not going to do it. I, I, I disagree. Stand up. But they never will. They always say, well, you have the mantle. I'll do whatever you say. Right. What kind of I leadership is that when you're afraid to stand up for what you yeah. believe in? And you're supposed removed. to be the person teaching the them challenge. how to stand up for what they believe mm -hmm. in. So Right. The challenge is structural because a leader who, stand, who does stand up is removed and also yes. loses all of his... Yep. His credibility in this in this structure. So it's really, yep. but I will say I saw such a difference between like like the bishop at that at the bishop at my talk and that I knew you know mm -hmm. and at that um, first meeting was a completely different creature than the bishop at that mm -hmm. second meeting. And so there is something about going against your conscience that really like I recommend against it. I think it's better to let yourself be removed mm -hmm. than to turn into that right mm -hmm. and. That's important. That's like that's like why we're here as humans is to learn to choose the right, right? Follow, follow your conscience. And so, yeah, that was, and that's when I. So I, so I was going to say that was what built on. So I was already in this place where I was 
giving so much to the church, working so hard, so exhausted. Like I, like I would, this sounds terrible, but I would like just cry on Saturday nights, knowing what I had to do the next morning. Cause as a homeschool mom, I didn't have to have my kids up and ready at nine o'clock. It was only yeah. on Sundays, you know? Yeah. And so, um, so I was already giving all of this. I was already like decompressing after their lessons, teaching them all of how to critically think. Right. And then, and then this on top of it. And I did, I was like, I can't speak. Like, I'll never speak. I'll never teach. I can't make comments. And I never want my children, my daughters to experience this. I, I, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want any of my daughters to ever experience my experience. And it was interesting because my husband also, um, I don't want to throw him under the bus, but he could not see what I was experiencing. He did not have a way to understand how that affected me. Like he was kind of after that meeting, cause I was, I was broken. I was like, a complete mess after that happened. And he was like, why did you do that? Like, that's not what you're going to get from, he, he said his name from that guy. That's not who he, and I'm like, Hey, you know that you are in business with guys like this. You associate with him. I know nothing other than I'm going to talk to my Bishop and, and it's not fair to take a stay at home mom and expect her to like put her business suit on and go be tough and <laughs> didn't know how to deal in power tactics. You know what I mean? And yeah. so, so really that was when, like I went home and I often would turn to the scriptures for it. Like I was like, okay, Lord, you got to save me. Cause you know, and I opened the scriptures and all I could see, and I know people will relate to this. I was maybe late to the game, but all I could see is he, his son, father, yeah, brother, yeah. Like, you know, that was where I learned like, oh, that's the problem. I didn't, and but I was so, I didn't get it that night. At that night, I was just angry. I was like praying to God. I was praying to the male God and all I could see was male, 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 mm. male. And I took my big quad and threw it hard against the wall. It's still broken. <laughs> like it was, I was just like, you know, but it, it was a little later yeah. where I was like, oh, I thought this meeting was about just a meeting of the minds. It was the Lord. This is how I, anyway, it was the Lord showing me there is a problem. There is a problem in this imbalance and this you know, which, which interestingly, I hadn't thought about that before kind of leads into what I'm doing, you know, exactly. as far as polygamy goes. So anyway, that was yeah. kind of my, I guess we could say feminist awakening. And then it was after that, that my son was like, I can't leave the church, you know, and, and my yeah. children. And so, so a lot of time to heal. And I always felt blessed because I was, oh, I, during that period, I always had a sick kid on Sunday. So I didn't have to go yeah. back without having to make the choice not to go back, you know? And so until and I will say like a couple months later, the bishop just stopped by one day in not, not even related to that, but just an act of kindness and talking to me and acted like, ever, and it so, sort of started to help me heal so I could be yeah. in the same room as him, you know? Yeah. So, so I've, oh, I feel like I've always just been told to stay. And then the interesting thing is um, we had a new state president come in and his first state conference, I was speaking in state conference with my bishop who told me my newly released state president who had wanted my temple recommend taken away. And the bishop who had had to be the enforcer of that and had told me I'd never speak in church again. And I was speaking in like that was it was a hard situation, but that that was the reality. So it was like, OK, all right, here Fair we go. Because <laughs> the new state president had talked, had come over and talked to you, right? And 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 heard your story and and said, "I'd like you to 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 share." Yeah, this. it. I I had I had again. I I 
believe in inspiration. I had been very strongly told by the Lord, you know, how it works for me to email the state president, which is something I would never have done. I've never done it. Like you hold them in awe. You don't talk to them. Right. I'm just a little plebeian, you know, but, um, but I, I just felt strongly that I needed to send him an email about my journey of not about the, what had happened with the bishop, but just about leaving the church and being, I really was told by the Lord how to stay and why to stay. Like for me, the answer was, it was, it was hard fought. It was years. Of, I mean, that, it was months of that really painful. Okay. There's this black abyss over here or this awful tar that I'll be suffocated in over here. Which one is it? Mm -hmm. You know, like, and, and not that leaving the church is a black abyss for me at that point, that's how it seemed, especially mm -hmm. with my children. I think I have known yeah. that the church was important for my children. You know, I kind of, knew that and so um and so anyway um lost my train of thought oh okay. oh so that's what i so when i was told so the answer that i eventually came is for me i was just told jesus stayed in the church like the same jesus during his life absolutely was at least as aware as i was of the problems with the church right and yet he continued to go to the feasts and the tabernacles and the temple and that like he stayed but he didn't submit and that combination led to what Christians believe is the most important event in the world, which was the atonement, right? And so I was just told, stay, but don't submit. Like, stay in the mm -hmm. church. Just like, that's, you know, like, and whatever that process brings is what you're here for, is what, you're, is what it's supposed to be. So that was my answer that really, so I was sharing that with the state president. And, um, and he, yeah, that was, I think on a Monday that I felt that I like, oh, went, got over myself enough to send that email. Cause that was really uncomfortable to email my <laughs> state president. And he ended up like the state president, he ended up at our house a few days later, I think it was on Thursday. And, and he just said, I have been praying for, I, I needed another sister to speak at state conference on Sunday. On, I, it was, I think it was the adult meeting on Saturday night, but one of the, I've, I've needed another speaker and I got your email and I want to ask if you would speak at our state conference. So it was his first state conference. And I have to say the state president has also been, um, I'm sorry, <laughs> essential part of keeping me in the church because yeah. we, we lost a daughter in 2020 and we lost a daughter in 2021. So we, um, and those were terrible times too. If, there's never a good time to experience that. Those were particularly not good times. And um, anyway, um, this state president, like he kind, I, I kind of, because I again was going to leave the church in 2020. That was mm -hmm. like with what happened with everything, the whole my whole picture, you know, and um, and that was when we lost our first daughter that we lost, and um, and just the whole thing was unthinkable to me. So I was like, we are leaving Utah, we are leaving family, we are leaving the church, we are, you know, mm -hmm. and um, and I just had the answer that we had to stay in Utah, which made everything horrible, you know. <laughs> but um, but the stake president, like personally, I'll 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 tell you quickly. Sorry, I'm talking a lot again. Should I tell you really quickly? It's this because you're the guest on our Everybody podcast. Is. You are <laughs> talking a lot, and this is very meaningful. I think, especially to our viewers and listeners, because you know, even those of us that have completely stepped away, unlike you, there are people that were pivotal and people that made a difference. And and it's hard for me, especially to think that people think I've thrown those people away because I haven't. Right. I still think about them. I still remember what they did, the difference that they made. And so it's important to hear this part of the story, I think. Okay. Thank you. So, so 2020, um, our, um, 
anyway, that was terrible time, right? And I still was reeling and hadn't recovered. Our our little girl passed away on April 20th. And um she she was born April 20th. I'm sorry. She passed away the end of um, in May. I'm getting it all confused because I'm discombobulated. She passed yes. away in May and um and we it was a surprise. We didn't know that she had a heart condition. And so um and she was beautiful and she was awesome, you know. And so anyway, so I was still recovering from that. And then um, and working through it with the Lord as I do, because I I had not like I had been strongly told by the Lord to have her incredibly difficult pregnancy. We had her and I was like, God, how can you be so cruel? How could you tell me to do this? And then, you know, so I was working through that and the answers for me did come and I understand, you know. But um, in that healing process, it was such a mess. And I just felt um, like, anyway, it, uh, fast forward, I won't tell you all the details, but I felt like the Lord just said, you don't know what you want, but I know what you want. Because we lost, I lost my youngest. I lost my baby. How could I go on? How could I end on the loss? And I think your mind is always trying to fix it. So somehow maybe having another one would fix something, but I could not have another one I could not do another pregnancy I could not by this time I was approaching 45 you know I was like mm-hmm. I can't my body can't I can't and emotionally I can't but so that's when the Lord like I, I just felt like my whole everything was this raging sea months and months and months after our loss and and just one day the Lord just like calmed the sea and just said you don't know what you want but I know what you want and if you trust me I'll give you what I what you want that was the answer so I was like okay trust God ended up getting pregnant. It was a girl and felt, you know, but I, but getting pregnant, actually, I had to grieve all over again. Cause I kind of, I was feeling in my body, the price I paid for my first little yes. girl, knowing even doing that again, would it bring her back knowing I'd love this next one, but it wasn't going to fix anything, you know? Right. So anyway, so I was in this place and the pregnancy this time was worse. I was old, <laughs> you know, and, um, and we were not doing well. We were not doing okay. I have a whole bunch of kids at home and I'm kind of down for the count. During this pregnancy, my son, who's currently on a mission, we had a suicide attempt. I found him while I was pregnant. Like it was, we were not doing well, you know, like there aren't a lot of families in this day and age who experience these things. Right. And so, and nobody in my ward, you know, we were coming off of, it was, it was early 2021 and so we were still kind of shut down, but it was come, it was going again. And um, but I wasn't, you know. But nobody had, nobody had stopped by to see how how we were doing. Nobody had said, "What do you need?" No, like I couldn't believe it, and I was so depleted. I, you know, I was I was barely functioning at, at any level of motherhood. Right, my little girl who's now seventeen, she was fifteen, I think, and trying to like get her little brothers to bed at night. I mean, you know, it was it was one yeah. of those times. And we don't have my mom is 89 and lives quite a bit of way. We were like we didn't have any family support. Right. So we were just on our own. And um there was no ward support. And we're in northern Utah County. What gives, right? Yeah. And so finally, <laughs> finally I asked like like I was I was just not doing well. And um the, the well I should I should have clarified I was expecting my daughter and we found out that she had a chromosomal issue and would not live and so um so that so I was in this pregnancy with my second daughter in a row that we were going to lose and not able to understand how God could tell me if you trust me I'll give you what I what you want this was not what I wanted you know so I was I was like everything was happening at once and there was no support and so um finally anyway, so finally, a, a series of events, and I did the impossible, like 
Rebecca, you will know how impossible this is. I called, I had a, a, a friend in the Relief Society presidency and I called and I was like, I need help, you know, yeah. which you have to be the hardest mar- thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. And I, cause, and, um, and, 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 she, and anyway, there, I was able to talk to a couple of people and I was like, I just, if I just had someone to like clean my kitchen once a week, that, mm-hmm. like that would be a dream. That's all we need, you know? And, and I was, um, it, I didn't hear back for a week and a half. And, and I said, we don't really need meals brought in because that in some ways is harder for a non-functioning mom. I can't return dishes. I can't right. serve the meal. I can't it's find place yeah. in the fr- Like, like we're fine with peanut butter and pizza. Like, like, you know, I, I don't need meals, but I just need someone to clean my kitchen once a week because I can't do it. And my daughter's already, my oldest that I had home was suicidal, literally, we, you know, and then my next was um, trying to do everything. And anyway, and so a week and a half went by, I didn't hear anything. And in the meantime, we're tuning in our, our, our state stayed shut down longer than any other. So we were still doing the online church. And um, there was, well, I'll tell you this experience. So I was told no, I was told that um, they would bring meals once a week, which is exactly what I said we didn't need, but yeah. they couldn't help. And we did, I knew we didn't have any needs in our board because I, you know, like it wasn't that, it was that I have teenagers, so I shouldn't need help is yeah. what I was told. And um, anyway, so the day that I was, t- and, and and when you've actually gone to the effort to ask for help and then you're told you shouldn't need help, yeah, that hits, it's like, if I were a better mom, if I had better kids, if I, you know, like you shouldn't need help. And, um, and so anyway, so the church that, day was all about like temple whatever the indexing and and the the people were talking about I spent this many hours indexing I spent this many hours in de- and it was like almost a look how righteous yeah. this person is and and I was so overwhelmed by like we're so busy serving the dead that we can't serve the living that mm-hmm. is right there in this unthinkable situation you know yeah. and then um anyway one sister got on and she was like I just when I just feel such a connection to the people I index, when I, especially when I see women who've lost babies, when I see these, these lost babies, and I I know that one, my heart just breaks for those mothers. I know one day I'll be able to hug them. And I was like, I'm two doors down. <laughs> Go I'll next door. Them. Yeah. It's it a like, disconnect. It's such a disconnect. Yeah. 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 So anyway, that was, that was that situation. And wow. it was a few weeks later that my entire state presidency showed up on a Sunday in their suits and came in and and just they had just learned our situation and they all came over and I like like I started out like yeah you know like just talking to them and then and then they started anyway then I just unleashed I unloaded I was like this and this and this and this is I was like what is this thing I belong to I should say when my son um like no one had, we don't have a young men president anymore. We just have the bishop. No one had once called to see how my son was doing in this situation. And they were going on scout camp, high adventure, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And um, I found this out after, I guess the bishop had texted him and said, hey, are you coming to the camp? You know, my son texted back and said, I don't think so. And so they left him and it was they just left him like no one came to even in yeah. our situation. So and this is not normal. These aren't the normal things that would happen in a ward. Yeah. You know, this was just our experience at this time. Anyway, it was when I was driving home with my son and they were unpacking the scout camp. Oh. And I don't think this was the reason, but it was that night that um, that I found him. 
And, um, you know, and he's okay. Like he's recovered. Right. He's doing really well. See, on a mission now. And this is yeah. why I'm like, there's good in the church too. My son is in such a better place than he was. Anyway, that stake yeah. presidency, when I was just unloading and saying, this is what happened. My stake president, he he just was almost like, well, that's a lot. Like, you know, and he just said, well, we're going to clean your kitchen. And um, which about <laughs> killed me again. But those three men, three weeks in a row, showed up on Tuesday morning in jeans and T-shirts and swept and mopped. Oh, my gosh. Jeez. Which was like them um, using their calling to preach right. a sermon. They didn't get after anyone in my word. They didn't, you know, right. they just did it themselves. And I have also a, a dear friend who kept me alive. And she's LDS. And she organized a group of, like, people were appalled by what happened in my ward, you know? And so right. um, she's, she um, organized the homeschool moms in the community, like, oh. you know, cause there's no one less busy in the world that, I mean, there's no one in the yeah. world, a like homeschool mom. moms yeah. that need to clean yeah. another house. But um, between the state presidency and um, the homeschool moms, they kept yeah. me going. So anyway, so there are a couple of stories. Yeah, no, and I think there is that service disconnect, you know, because serving the dead and all the busy work that sometimes it's hard to remember there are actual people that are right next. To you. It's hard, I think, sometimes for people in the church to look at a person, you know, it's easier to give to something or outsource it or serve the dead. So, yeah, and, and again, it goes, yeah. people are wonderful, but they're in a structure where it doesn't make it easy sometimes to do those things. I, I think serving the dead is is easy uh, because you can always say, oh, yeah. they appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Your mind that, oh, they're loving what I did for them. And, yeah, and I really, it. you know, I, I can do it when I want. And, and, and you know, so it isn't really service because, you know, you you really don't have to put much into it. But uh, we, we just did uh, our, our episode on magic with, with Randy Bell and mm -hmm. uh, RFM and Randy Bell mm -hmm. pointed out, and I, I thought it was really interesting. He said, when you, when you talk about the church, there's really three churches we're talking about. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's Joseph Smith's church. That was the church when we were first, when everything was, you know, restored, if you, if you will. Then you have the, the church now, which is this corporate church structure. And then you have the local church, the people and, and the ah. local church is the people that are there mm -hmm. that, that you love. And that we all say, God, I love that. I, I love that piece. I love those people. And, and so, you can believe in the local church in the, the goodness of the people and stuff, but you don't necessarily have to believe in that corporate church or that power push down that you must adhere. Those local people is really the church that, that most of us believed in or still believe in or still have that feelings for. So I, I thought your story was great to yeah. point that out. The, the, the people are wonderful. Yeah, that was definitely my experience at one point when I think many of us will relate to this, that we're like, with our last presidency, it was Uchtdorf. It was kind of the golden thread that yeah. we would hold on to preaching about love. Yeah. And when that transition happened, I don't think I'm the only one that was just floored and yeah. devastated. Like mm -hmm. trading out Uchtdorf for Oaks was not a good trade, in my opinion, you know? No. And I was like, I really struggled. Yeah. Because yeah. even before that, it was like whiplash listening to, okay, is it the gospel of love yeah, or is it this is. gospel of works and power right like ah. yeah. and so um even at that point that was my answer it was like this like the lord was like this is your church this this you know this right here is your church ignore that i'm pointing north towards Salt Lake. Yes. you know like, <laughs> this right here 
is your church and you can just not like, you know, and, and it was interesting. My, like I was in labor that first general conference after the transition is when I had my little twelfth, and I, you know, I had a baby, didn't listen to general conference, you know, yeah. anyway. So it's been, it's been an interesting journey. And now kind of, now that I've really healed and coming back into it and, and diving in more, I am getting more involved in Salt Lake. So I'm seeing all of those conference talks that I missed yeah. and it's, 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 but I am, it's been good to come this far through it where I really am um, in a different place where I'm much more like a lot of the negative can just roll off my back a mm-hmm. lot more easily. Sometimes it just hits, you know, and I'm much more aware of and appreciative of the good. So I'm thankful mm-hmm. for that because staying sometimes can be really hard. Do you know what I mean? When oh, you're yeah. in that, like, do I, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Do you guys know what I mean? You know, yeah. but, I um, but it's been I good for it only worked for about two months for me. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, that's so not true, Landon. For- you tried to stay for a really long time. You've stayed for years and years. Well, I was to make it work out going, for your family I, and your I, people. When I believed that I could make a difference from inside, that only yeah. lasted a, a couple months. And oh, yeah. Nobody uh, leaves lightly and nobody stays lightly. That's what I think right. people on both sides of it forget. You know, the post-Mormons tend to say, how can you stay? But just as hard as it is to leave, it's hard to stay. And people have so many different reasons, be it children or family relations or, you know, just it seems to be like very centric to whatever ward or stake you're in. You know, some people are like, this works for me right now because of this that's here. Were I to move two blocks over, it would not work for me and I would have to make another choice. So everybody has to understand that nobody does anything lightly. Absolutely. And so that's, right. and that's what I say. So like, this is, I know certainly that this is where God wants me for now, right now, you know, like, yeah. like I can't say, yeah. but this is where, and it's been a huge blessing to me and to my family because there are other people in my board as well. Like, while it's easy to criticize what happened, I also see these other people who showed up and I'm like, how can I ever be as good of a person as that person is? You know what I mean? I watch these examples of yeah. people because there is something powerful about coming together in this community and mm-hmm. learning to try to have more charity for those yeah. people and seeing those people and seeing, do you know what I mean? Seeing right. talents that you don't necessarily have. And like, so the people that I um, have been brought, like, you, you know, we have adoptive grandparents in this, in this um, board that just kind of also took me, they assigned me a new visiting, visiting, ministering sister. Ministering, I say everything yes. wrong. I'm still a Mormon. I know. <laughs> but, Good. Um, we are too. That's why we're Mormon-ish. Yeah. We're still a Mormon. Right. Yeah, so they assigned a new ministering sister while I was expecting expecting my 13th who didn't know my story. I had to tell her the whole thing, you yeah. know, which was not easy because I was not doing well and but boy have like like those that that's one of the, those couples that I'm just they were the missionaries, the word missionaries as well, so oh. I think they were really assigned to our family because we were right. done, you know. But um <laughs> anyway, they're another back. one of those families. <laughs> Yeah, they're they're another one of those families, those those people, those people that I'm just like I can work my whole life to try to be as good as those people are, and mm-hmm. you know, so I I I do not I like for me seeing those examples, trying to be like those people, being able to let a lot of it go. There are a lot of people that I think probably don't like me at all, you know, and and it's like okay, and I asked to serve in the nursery so I could just kind of yeah. Anyway, I had my various reasons, but so there are like, like I've been, I've been very thankful to be in this long enough to have a place where it's really good right now. And mm-hmm. I will acknowledge if I didn't have this state president, if I like my local le- leadership roulette is such a real thing. And I just have 
struck gold, you know, for yeah. this, this time. So anyway, there's a yeah. little bit of that story. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I, so I really we, appreciated uh, just hearing your story because it yeah. is so fascinating and there is so many things that I, you know, that I can relate to with, with your story and, and you, you took a different path than I took. Uh, but that's working for you. And I, mm-hmm. and I think that's, that's wonderful. And it's an example that, you know, different people can make different decisions and it still works out. And just because we may not agree on that, there's no reason that we can't have those discussions and yeah. say, yes, this works for I me. Uh, I, I really enjoyed the discussion we had uh, two weeks ago. It, 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 you know, and, and you and I were definitely going, I'm going, well, I'm not sure about that. And you'd explain it. And I'm right. going, yeah. Yeah, but it but it was wonderful. But, I got I I walked that's away. That's what, what I what a wonderful she, yeah. she's such a nice lady, you yeah. know. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad. Well, that's what I I actually love um the discourse. I like mm-hmm. I said I love the critical thinking. I I intentionally mm-hmm. want to watch the debates. I want to hear the very best arguments from that I disagree with. Mm-hmm. And it I always like my daughter, so so I said I had those four in diapers and the three and four were my identical twin girls. And they're both um, LGBT. They're out of the church. They're wow. I, I'm rather conservative in my um, perspective. I'm, I tend to be libertarian, like leaning. Mm-hmm. And they're much more, they, they've, they've become on a very different side, their political trajectory. But I, <laughs> they're such a gift to me to be able to like, you know what I mean? Like, like, yeah. Anyway, I think it's really important to engage. I just love the engagement and being able, like, really, I, that's one thing that's interesting is I don't like it when people are like, oh, it's just motivated reasoning or conspiracy theory. I'm like, no, I just want the truth. I just want to find the truth. And of course, like, like, at least let's just look at the, let's look at things and, and try to get to the bottom of them. So, yeah. So I always also, one of my big things in the church, I feel like I've been in there trying to help with this LGBT issue for mm-hmm. like literally over, over can I say decades, at least over a decade. And also the same thing with like people leaving. I, I, it's really hard for me when we're in church and we talk about people who left, why do they, leave? you know, and I'm always yeah. like one being like, <laughs> like <laughs> I, I, anyway, insight. <laughs> yeah. And so that's why it is. I like yeah. that you pointed that out, Rebecca, because it's frustrating to have people who have left do the same thing and, mm-hmm. and be like, how oh, can yeah. you, stay? you know, and you're yeah. like, oh my gosh, guys, yeah. like we just need to, let's just build bridges. Let's just build right. bridges and as much as possible. So yeah. I think anyway, we, have more we were going to, and we don't. And that's the thing you right. look for things where you're the same. And obviously there are places where you're not, but that's okay. You know, it really is okay. And everybody's on a path. That's for sure. Because if we have this conversation next year, all three of us may be somewhere else. Do you know what I mean? That's what's so interesting is that nobody's locked in where they are. And, and I love your discussion of just critical thinking, how you're a critical thinker, you've taught your kids to be a critical thinker, and you welcome that kind of discussion. And, And that you showed us just this other side of other things you care about, things that have happened to you. Because I think with your podcast, people have you kind of pegged in a one, you know, like a one note, person right and that's not even it you know and that's I think that it's got to be people who haven't watched my podcast yeah yeah because- and that's, that's what I mean or not watched a lot of it yeah they're just like oh that yeah. that you know and I think people do that to everybody we're pegged aren't we sometimes sure. London absolutely <laughs> we get hate mail so but no that's why this is so important and I think um I think it's uh, okay oh we've been going an hour and a half this is incredible it's gone like that oh my gosh no and I think this is really a great first podcast because I feel Landon don't you that we'll have Michelle on again I feel like there are other topics 
topics that we need to discuss, maybe get into more some of those areas where we might say, oh, I see it this way, or you say, I see it this way, and we talk about it, because I think that's very valuable too. Don't you think, Landon? I think we might. Yeah, one, one thing I learned from Michelle is she's a very intelligent woman. She very, Oh, yes. She studies, uh, yep. and, and, you know, you may come with, with different conclusions, but you can't, you, you know, it, it, there's no doubt that she's studying it. She's very intelligent. She's mm -hmm. very well thinks out her, her arguments. And, and, uh, you know, I appreciate that. Uh, doesn't yeah. mean I have come to the same conclusion, but it, it, it opens new ideas new or new things to think about. Yeah. New, new, new ways mm -hmm. to think about things. And I realized I, I really have more in common than, than I have not in common as exactly. we were talking, you know, there, yeah. there may be one or two things that you say this, I say that, but the rest of it was like, Oh, I agree with her on that. That was really cool. I I appreciated <laughs> yeah. that story. That 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 really yeah. brought a different Boy. perspective to me. So, yeah, yeah, I think so too. So yeah, so we'll definitely uh, we will discuss behind the scenes and see about another time to have you back because I think I think we need to keep talking. I think it's great. Would you like to do that, Michelle? Would that be good? Oh, I I love it. I have had so much fun getting to know you guys. Thank yeah. you so much. It's been awesome. I gave you the teaser last time because it didn't come up in our conversation but um but i i have the same post post manifesto grandparents as my cousin mark hoffman so that's been that was a funny yes. thing that i forgot that didn't even come up in our lunch which i'm like you you, you told us right surprise. at the end you said, i think yes, at the very mark end Hoffman's yeah my cousin. <laughs> yeah we're like oh did what? i not message you after <laughs> I think I messaged you guys afterwards. Oh, that's right. I, I, yeah, I forgot that's to mention right. That's right. Yes. Yeah, so, well, that's a claim like, to fame, <laughs> I have to say. Yeah, no, that's, oh my gosh. I know. And who knows what of his documents are still out there. That's what I keep thinking too. They're just, who I knows? know. I think I found a couple of them. I'm like, yeah. cousin Mark? No, yeah. Cousin Mark? Is that you? No, he was, he was a brilliant forger because he absolutely mm -hmm. knew what should be there and then he wouldn't go right at it but he would kind of go around it you know you know like mention yeah. what the document should be in another document he, he was brilliant i mean he really was we'll have to do another episode on mark hoffman that'd be pretty yeah, well anyway i just threw that out as a little teaser that like yeah. like it is an interesting story that um yeah. i am studying polygamy yeah in a really different way than he did yes <laughs> No, you're absolutely right. So, yep. No, we'll for sure talk again and maybe bring some other people in to discuss some things because there's a lot to talk about. And I don't think you can go wrong when you're engaging in scholarship and just discussing things and, you know, bouncing off points of view. So, all right. This has been awesome. Thank you, Landon. Thank you, Michelle. And um, please like and subscribe. And if you would like to be made aware when a new Mormonish episode is going to come out, you can hit that notification bell. And as always, we have links in the show notes if you'd like to help support Mormonish. We have Venmo links and PayPal links. And we certainly do appreciate all of you um, that do support. We just love it. And we appreciate our listeners and viewers and and all your feedback and all your input because you know we definitely want to we want to talk about things that are interesting to all of you. And and we sure do appreciate all of you and we'll say goodbye for now from Mormonish. Thanks everybody. Thanks Landon. Thanks Michelle. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Mormonish. We really appreciate our listeners and would love to hear from you if you have a story you'd like to share. You can email us at mormonishpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and on our website mormonishpodcast.org. And don't forget to look for us on YouTube and like and subscribe. Keep joyful, everybody.